Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. Well, it finally happened. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Miss Marvel are releasing on the same day. So I was thinking to myself, self, what are we going to talk about here? Are we going to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Miss Marvel? Or are we going to split this up into two different episodes? But you know how we are here at the Colby Cast. We're greedy. So we're going to double up. We're going to have some double doubles right now. And we're going to talk both Kenobi and Miss Marvel on this episode of Keeping Up with Kenobi and Kamala. And joining me as always are Caleb. Hello. And Luke. Hi. So, gentlemen, let's start with Obi-Wan Kenobi, part four. We all got to watch this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, want to hear what you have to say. Uh, of course, as always, we're going to go right into spoilers, so if you haven't had a chance to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, part four, uh, go watch it, and then come back and check it out, check out this episode of Keeping Up with Kenobi and Kamala. So, guys, what did you guys think about part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi? I'm glad Leia and Kenobi are back together. Me too. That's that's all I have to say. That's it? Okay. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and uh, joining us next week uh, for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke, what do you think? The universe keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I love it. You're talking about the Star Wars uh, universe? Yes. Yeah, what do you mean? I mean, we've seen the, what do they call it, the Fortress Inquisitorious? Yeah. Just a tongue twister. Um, we've seen it before, but we haven't gone inside, and you know, I'm sure we'll get to it, but just seeing Kenobi being all secretive and a spy in there and everything, it was it was so cool, and I love the fact that we're getting to see all these different places that we've known about, but we haven't really gotten to see in detail, right? Right, and as far as I understand, and I haven't played it, I believe you did, but I do think that the Fortress Inquisitorious uh, does make a an appearance in Jedi Fallen Order, right? So that's the only other place in, in canon, maybe except for um, comic books, which I'm not quite sure about, but I know that it was in the video game. So now that it's in live action... And we actually get to run around and watch Kenobi in there. That was pretty cool. And I agree. There was some definite um, New Hope vibes of him like walking around the Death Star as he was going around the, the fortress looking for Leia. Uh, that, I thought it was super cool. Um, what do you guys think about the overall um, part four where I was very relieved as well that Leia and he were reunited. We knew that both of them are going to be okay, but it was cool to see them get back together so quickly. It starts off with Obi-Wan in a back-to-tank, which is not something we've ever seen before, right? And then they sort of juxtapose that against the Vader in the back-to-tank. And when I saw Vader, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I see Vader in the back-to-tank, I'm always looking at his face, and I'm like trying to find Hayden Christensen in there. Do you guys see Hayden Christensen's face when, when they show him like that? No. I do not. N- neither one of you do? No. Okay, good, because I don't either. They've done such a magnificent job of, of making him look like messed up Vader. I think it's so crazy that they keep showing his cut-off limbs, just like staring you right in the face. Like in the back to tank, they go and they show, yeah, his arm's still gone, guys. <laughs> Didn't it's go true. back. No, and they're they're not they're not scared about showing that to anybody at all, right? Yeah, uh, yeah here's here's where we plug in his metal arm, and uh, I, I, man, I'm still having trouble getting over the fact that Obi Wan is burnt on his shoulders, and they, you know, we see him in the back to tank uh, healing up, but of course he's not interested in healing. He needs to know about Leia, so he just jumps right out of that thing. Now, whenever I watch the original trilogy, I'm going to be thinking he's got he's got he's got this unhealed wound on his shoulder area, <laughs> but that's just my broken brain. Um, so we get to see a little bit of Jabim, uh, the planet where the seeds of the rebellion really are sort of being planted. And I don't even know if we could call it a rebellion at this point. It's just what are they calling it? The path, right? The path. Where they're trying to help get people out of, especially Jedi, 
get them into with new identities and uh, get them into safer places. So what did you guys think about that early on, that early scene where Obi-Wan is saying, look, we got to go get Leia. And they had the basic plans of the Fortress Inquisitorius. It was very Rogue One-esque. I agree. I liked that it showed, I don't remember the character's name, but he was reluctant. He was like, yep, nope, not going there. I know what they're about. I'm not going in. And Obi-Wan's like, okay, bye. Like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But I need your help. Yeah, that was cool. Like, he wanted to try to get their help because he knew the better. Was it, uh, the character you're talking about, is it the one that called him General? Yep. Right. So I forgot his name, too. I think it was Roker, maybe, or I believe it was something like that. But I caught on to that right when I saw it the first time. I thought that was really cool that he referred to him as General. I agree. So whoever that person is obviously knew the Jedi were involved in the Clone Wars and must have been around long enough or, or knew because he also referred to having a wife who he referred to as have, as being a Jedi as well. Uh, I thought that was really cool, just sort of subtle hints. So they get into the, the whole planning of the thing, and Obi-Wan's willing to go. And I loved his his um, the way that he reasoned that Leia's a 10-year-old girl. Like, come on, we need to go help her. We need to go get her. A lot of turnaround from early on when he's staring at Bail Organa saying no. Like, I, I can't do this, right? So we've seen in these four parts, Obi-Wan has come a long way. So he's willing to go by himself, but he doesn't have to. I think his progression in getting what needs to be done, done in this episode versus the prior episodes is my favorite part. One of the favorite parts, at least, because you can see him trying to use the force while they're on the ship. Mm -hmm. You can see him less reluctant to use a lightsaber and you can see him more willing to put himself in in harm's way to try and go get Leia both on in the fortress and getting to it. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's stick with Obi-Wan then because you brought up some good points. He uses his lightsaber more and he he did start to use the force there or at least trying. One of my favorite scenes was when he was stuck in the hallway with the stormtroopers and he was hiding behind the pillar. Uh, that was one of the things that I that I felt like they hearkened back to episode four when he was hiding from the stormtroopers on the Death Star because he did. He concentrated and he used the force. And what is it that he did? He made this noise, right? And then the, the stormtroopers turned around and, and followed it. So we see him sneaking around the hallways. We see him using the force to distract them. What other scenes um, about Obi-Wan specifically stood out to you as he's trying to find Leia and rescue Leia? Well, him holding the glass while it was shattering mm. from the blaster, that was... <laughs> most Jedi couldn't do that in their prime, you know? Right, but he, he did it because he, he had no choice, right? It's it's a, it's a fight-or-flight instinct. Yeah. Another one of my favorite scenes for his progression was that same scene where he's now using his lightsaber to deflect the l blaster's the blasts to where he wants it. It's yeah. not just sporadic. He's he's pointing it back at stormtroopers. He's doing it toward the the mechanism that closes the doors yeah. and ultimately buys him the time to yeah. separate it and all that different stuff. But you get to see him like knocking off the rust. The other thing that I really liked was they're in like the torture chamber where Leia is and all of a sudden the lights go out. Yeah. I just thought visually it was so cool. Yeah. And you got to Batman. Exactly. It was just like Batman. And you got to see it with Vader chasing Obi-Wan where like he's showing up from the, the shadows, the dark, and igniting his lightsaber. Now Obi-Wan's doing it. So I'm excited to see what else the last two episodes have in store. It really seems like this episode brought Obi-Wan much closer to coming back right to being more the obi-wan that we are used to seeing in the prequels maybe not the he still has a heaviness to him right he still has a, a seriousness to him because he knows he's in the thick of this mission and he and he ultimately wants leia to be safe so he knows he's not out of the woods yet he knows now he's on their radar so he's gonna have to figure out a way to drop off of their radar again so there's that heaviness still about to him but as far as the force the skills with the lightsaber he's he's starting to knock some rust off and that that is very evident uh in this episode 
He also is way more set on getting Leia before, right? He heard through the forest or something her yelling help. Right. And he told, uh, what's her name? Tala. Tala. Told Tala, I need a distraction now. And, right. You know, it, it wasn't a please help. It was a do what I'm telling you now because I have to help her now. Yeah. Shout out to Tala, though. She put herself in the worst, like, situation to get the mission done. Yep. And to me, I was like, oh, man, do should I, should I believe you? Are you actually good? Because she told almost all of the truth. Yeah. There was no denying that those were the facts she was telling Reva. Yeah. And Reva's not dumb. You're not no. just going to pull the, the sheet over her eyes. Mm-mm. So when she notices it, she's like, I like a good liar. Yep. Now, are you lying for me or are you lying to me? Yeah. So I thought that was a really well-written line. Well, let's talk about Tala then. Let's put a pin in Obi-Wan. We're just going to pin him by his Jedi robe up on the wall here. (laughs) And let's talk about Tala because going back to that first scene, she's right on board with Obi-Wan. She wants to go after and get Leia. Uh, and, And this is somebody that they just came across like the previous day, right? So this... Well, she was connected to the the uh, the fake Jedi uh, on Dayu, right? So we do know that she was expecting them, but she doesn't know Obi Wan. She doesn't know Leia. She just knows that they're people that need help, and she's that got that altruistic ability to help them, right? Uh, so she even said to Obi Wan, "I have officer clearance," so she's thinking she can get him in, and then Obi Wan says does that still work? Or someone says to her, will it still work? And she says, we'll find out. So here goes another wonderful Star Wars half-baked plan. Let's see if it works. How many times have we seen that in a yeah. movie or in Rebels, right? Because Rebels, they always love talking about making their plans. And something always goes awry because that's that's why we watch it is to see how they get out of it. And this is another great example of them doing that. There they go, just basically walking through the front door of the Fortress Inquisitorius, and Tala's leading the way. So she goes and she's, she gets through her checkpoint. She pulls rank really effectively on that security officer. She gets into like this little corner desk where she's able to start doing what she needs to do. And all that stuff just shows tremendous courage and tremendous um, commitment to this cause. So then we see her get to that scene where she's talking to Reva. And I thought that you bring up a good point, Caleb. She's telling her basically everything that is true. She just omits one key piece of data, actually lies about and changes that one key piece of information, which she says they're on Florum instead of Jabim. Maybe you should go find Hondo. So, <laughs> did you did you recognize Florum as Hondo's planet right off the bat? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're smarter than both Caleb and I because we had to look it up. <laughs> yeah. In going back to the scene though, when she's telling all of this to Riva, you pointed out to me there were lightsabers just sitting on like the counter behind them. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, that room that they were in, and it was right after we see the scene where Obi Wan finds all those Jedi that yeah. are. Um, they look like they're frozen in something other than carbonite, but they're definitely frozen in something. And then they cut to that scene, and the first thing I noticed was, I believe it's, um, I believe it's Tala. I don't remember who's facing that counter, but on the counter are lightsabers lined up, almost like decorations. Yeah, absolutely. And man, the production, the writers, the directors, everybody, they just want to continue to crush all the fans. <laughs> the little Padawans who's who's in this tomb, Yeah. I, I looked at the screen and I said, no, no. Yeah, that that one was tough. I, I felt a little twinge with the first one, Yeah. and I felt a real big twinge at the with the last one because it was that child. But the first one was the character from the Clone Wars, that I older... I was going to bring that up, the one that was with Ahsoka when she lost her lightsaber. Yeah. Right. How cool is that to, you know, it wasn't really cool because it was very sad because we see all these people frozen. But it was definitely a nice Easter egg. It was. It was an Easter egg. And what do you, why, why are they, why are they there? What is it? What well, is that about? Y- my introduction to the Inquisitors was talking to you a long time ago. And you had told me that, I don't know if this is still true because maybe my brain has changed the, the thing you told me, mm-hmm. but they're fallen Jedi. That's to my understanding what they were. From what I understand, that's the case, yeah. 
So maybe these tombs aren't like actually like with like headstones and saying, oh, they're dead. Maybe they're drawing power or going to eventually be inquisitors. Like, I don't know. That's just the the skeptic in me wanting to grasp at straws. Yeah. But I don't know why else they would keep them and have so many of them. It was certainly creepy. And we know that, I mean, it's it added almost like an element of, of horror to a Star Wars show, which we're not really used to seeing. Yeah. Uh, but they definitely put that there for a reason. And it was either just to show us that the Empire is doing some nasty stuff at that time, which was just a visual way of, of confirming what we already knew. Uh, but it certainly was jarring. It was very jarring to see. And boy, did they look real. Yeah. They looked really real. That the, They're not sparing any money on the budget of this show. It, it just looks great. Uh, but yeah, that was very creepy. And, and of course, Ewan McGregor just kills it in that scene with his facial expressions and just the horror that he's experiencing, seeing probably people he knew previously now in this situation so that was uh that was tough but let's talk about leia and reva i was gonna say like i know this show is called obi-wan kenobi but i wanted to talk about the star of the show in leia because she is. she is so good just like her character like kudos to the actress she's fantastic but just seeing the fact that they just got the leia that we were introduced with with the original trilogy and like seeing her character progression, but just they just like zapped her with the shrink ray and now she's just miniature. <laughs> it's fantastic. And seeing her now create this bond, this unbreaking bond that you get to see in the original trilogy, um, in like the principle of it, it's 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 beautiful. It is it's not going anywhere and it's just gonna continue to go stronger. Luke, before I start ranting, Luke, what did you think about Leia in this in this episode? It makes sense why she wasn't scared of the. Uh, it makes sense why she wasn't scared of the. I don't know. Was it a probe droid or whatever in A New Hope that they were going to use oh, right. to interrogate her? Yeah, yeah. She didn't seem very scared, so it probably because it wasn't their first run in with it. And who knew that she would have had such a traumatic experience as early on in her life? But everything that has happened in this show. Ha- to me, just complements and enhances what we see of Leia further down the road. And not just in the original trilogy, but going into the sequel trilogy too, as she's an older character, a mother, a wife, and clearly Force-sensitive. She was trained as a Jedi by Luke, and I just can't shake this idea when I watch little Leia that she just intuitively knows how to use the Force. She doesn't cognitively or consciously think about, oh, this is the force. I'm going to try to do this. She just reacts and she reacts in a courageous way. She reacts in a defiant way when she's faced with evil. And I just, oh gosh, she just gets better and better each episode. Yep. Knowing what we know now with her having basically the force in her back pocket and never really using it in the movies until she does, I had an even deeper appreciation for Reva trying to like steal the memories mm-hmm. from her brain. Mm-hmm. Like Kylo Ren had introduced the Star Wars universe right. to cinematically. Yeah. And she was just like, nah, I'm yeah. good. What like, did she say? She's, she's 10 years old and was doing this like nothing. And she looks at her and says, is this a staring contest? Yeah. <laughs> this is such a Leia thing to say, right? Because yeah. how many times did we see her go toe-to-toe with Han? And Han is as defiant as ever, and she's just as quippy and sarcastic and ready to go toe-to-toe with him. And this is clearly something that is, she's had uh, for a long time. It also makes the the message that she sent in A New Hope in R2 to Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. it makes that a little bit more special, I guess. I've been thinking about going back and just watching that. I want to see that message in its entirety uh, just now in this new context. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, w- let's, let's talk about Reva, though, because another character, definitely a highlight for me, has been just having this series because I love Obi-Wan and getting to see more of his story has been wonderful for me. Leia has been another highlight, but for me, Reva has been probably the highest of the highlights because 
every episode, she just becomes more interesting to me. What was her line this time where, like, I lost everything? Where? Something about, I had a droid once, it was taken away from me just like everything else or something like that. Oh, right. Something like that. Yeah, that that dialogue was just like, ooh, more question marks. Let's go. I love it. Now answer them for me, please. Right. So that conversation, that, that scene with her and Leia was really interesting because Reva can go from a scary, menacing figure to almost a compassionate and sympathetic figure yeah. in, the, in, a, in the same breath, almost like Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. Yeah. Not quite as dramatic, but she can go from one to the other so quickly. I agree. The same breath. That's exactly my thought. While they're in the torture chamber, and I apologize because I don't know what else to call it. Sure, that's what but it is. when they lock Leia in and they're about to get the information that they want to get, she just keeps t- telling Leia, you're the one who's doing this. Mm-hmm. You're forcing my hand. Mm-hmm. And of course, that can be a strategy for her to just get Leia to spill the beans and not hurt her. But to me, it came across like, I don't want to hurt you, child. Just give me what I want so I don't like go against my morals and yeah. hurt a child. I, I saw the same thing. Luke, did you get that uh, that same feeling from Reva in that scene? Um, A little bit. I think... I mean, she ultimately was more than willing to torture her to get the information True. that she needed. So, But she didn't I, go to it quickly. No, she didn't. She seemed like she was given her chances, don't you think? Which, you know, that's you get a little credit for that, but... A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But she, I think she, uh, she sees a lot of Leia. She sees a lot of herself in Leia. Sure. And I think because of that, it might change her tactics or methods or whatnot. I wonder if uh, Reva picks up Leia's ability to use the Force at all, whether, you know, we know that Leia's not doing it on purpose at this point of her life, but I wonder when you, that, that scene that we were talking about with Reva trying to reach into her mind, and she told her, she said, you're strong. So she clearly knows, she, she I would think that she picked up at some point on that, uh, her inability to breach that that wall. I think she has to know. Because these Inquisitors, whether it's the Grand Inquisitor or a brand new one we're introduced to once in a while, they have this sense. You saw it in the animated series where it's like, yeah, I be, I, like, hey, Ezra, I can basically smell you because yeah. you're just dripping in force. Right. Same thing with, I would think, Reva. Reva is like, oh, Kenobi, I can feel you. You're here in the first and second episodes. Mm-hmm. She's got to be able to see it. Yeah. And like, there's no way... That she goes, oh, I couldn't get exactly what I wanted out of your brain. That was just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of that has to do with, I think her judgment is clouded because she's so obsessed with catching Kenobi that to her, Leia's just sort of a, she's the bait, right? You're, yeah. not, you're not too focused on the bait. You're really focused on the fish you're trying to catch, right? Yeah. And now we've seen now now Reva's trying to get information about the quote unquote path from Leia because she knows that Leia has information. Leia's not giving that up, but ultimately Reva still goes back to that. She said it again. She said it twice in the series so far. It's all about Kenobi, and she says that once the escape occurs. So let's fast forward to that part, and you know we got the cool action sequences with with Obi Wan in the hallway with the water. And then <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny uh, that Tala's like, here, put this on. And then they just sort of shove Leia in the coat and they start walking through all these stormtroopers and everything. Remind- I got a quick giggle out of it. It reminded me of the scene in, uh, what is the movie? Uh, the Little Rascals, where they try and buy one <laughs> ticket to try and get into the movie. It's two of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's a super tall uh, super person tall, with a kid's face. Yeah, trench coat. Trench coat. Yeah, yeah. I, I I liked it. I liked that part. I thought that was that was fun. Uh, so that was a cool scene too, right? Where they're they're pinned down. They're not going to get out of that. So then we see the two fighters come in and save them. Um, and it was it was I thought it was really effective too because that was the first time you know, those people were involved in seeing one of their own die. Yeah. And Tala said it right when they got back into the, the, the ship, I guess you guys are soldiers after all. So they saw the cost of what it is they're doing. So that was a pretty big moment. I think for those characters, do you recognize the ships they were in? 
I, I did. They were from Empire Strikes Back, right? Yep. Yeah. I uh, I like that Wade, before he died, was just literally in his ship, like 50 feet in the air in front of Reva, just shooting her. Yeah. And Reva's yeah. just deflecting him, but he's just like, I'm going to keep doing this yeah, until like, they like call me back. I'm just going to keep shooting you. Yeah, I, I got I got this. Yeah. I got this. He's just <laughs> shooting, shooting. And I thought that was pretty effective uh, way of her taking him out too, just force yeah. pulling and then pushing that, uh, that explosive. So, yeah, she is formidable. She is no one to be messing with. She's a kiss ass. What do you mean? She just wants to impress Vader. Okay, there's a, there's there's that. I I'll give you that. Speaking of Vader, man, I just keep thinking of what Hayden Christensen said. Hayden Christensen said, yeah. "Say that five easy times for you fast. to say." Yes, yeah, say that five times fast. Um, about where we're finding Vader, because he wastes no time. The first time he's on screen, he's choking Reva. He's like, "I told you what was gonna happen if you failed," and then ultimately, like sees her her play in this chess match that is trying to catch Kenobi and lets her down. Yeah. But man, he was like, Yep, you're done. He was in rage mode. Yep. He was in rage mode. And that was to me, he was almost scarier than he was in the hallway scene with Rogue One, right? Where he, you know, he's just coming in hot and he comes right in and he just force chokes and lifts her. And I'm surprised she was able to muster anything to to get out of her mouth yeah. when she said that she let them go. Uh, but yeah, the the Vader Riva relationship is also very interesting to me as well because she knows things. She knew that that's Anakin Skywalker. She knew what to say to Obi Wan in, in Part Two. So I'm interested to see if we get any of that backstory. And that's why I still think that she was a Padawan during the the Order execute of Order sixty six. Yeah. And I'm going to stand on this hill until I'm the idiot standing alone <laughs> on the hill when I'm wrong. But I'm hoping I'm right. All I know is that they showed us that opening scene for a reason yep. of those Padawans running around the Jedi Temple or trying to escape. They showed it to us for a reason. They don't typically show things without paying it off down the road. Exactly. The question is where are they going to pay that off? Because they probably will. I would I would imagine so. Um, so then the last thing that I you know, we'll do final thoughts here for Kenobi. My final thought was the the Leia reaching over and and holding Obi Wan's hand. I mean, that was just beautiful. That really was just beautiful. And then his reaction to it. It wasn't just uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't inconsequential to him. He responded. He put his hand out and and engaged in that hand hold. And her performance is just wonderful. I'm so impressed with a little young person that can can express her emotions through her through her face for lack of a better way of saying it she's just so talented and and if i could tack on one last thing to my final thought is deborah chow is killing it as as a director of, of this series just killing it we talked about the the Batman type of lightsaber scene in that chamber. And it made me remember going back to her first episode that she directed for a Mandalorian, which also she directed a fight scene that made me think of Batman where Mando was, you know, sort of coming in and out of shadows and, and fighting like Batman does. And man, she's just really, it's so impressive. Uh, so for you guys, final thoughts on Kenobi. My final thought is the gif that went super viral of Kylo Ren, just more, more, more. That's <laughs> yeah. how I feel after this episode. I'm ready for more. I'm ready to see what what uh, episode five uh, sets up for six, and then I'm ready for this conclusion. Although it will be the end, I'm ready for it. You want it. Gotcha. I think this was the first episode so far where when it ended, you weren't, like, devastated. <laughs> True. Yeah, and that's why I'm excited to see episode five because... You want to be devastated more? No, because it's just, <laughs> I don't want to be devastated, but I'm ready for the 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 really like the punch home to set up the finale. Yeah, yeah, but that's a good point because um, we do actually end with a little bit of hope uh, in this one because they are back and reunited, but do not we, though... too much because now Lola is red-eyed evil Lola, and she's a tracker. So she's going to lead them right to them. But I was I was making myself feel better after I realized that they were being tracked. And the way I did that was 
we know that Leia and Obi-Wan are okay. <laughs> uh, and we know that this isn't a fully realized rebel um, alliance yet. So if they're being led to them, it's a small operation, yeah. but we can only hope that they escape with their lives and meet up with Ahsoka and Bale and who else, who, who knows who else down the road. So just a fantastic series so far, and I echo both of your sentiments. It's been a wonderful ride so far, and, we'll, and I'm looking forward to seeing what we have in store uh, for the future. So the other big news this uh, Wednesday that followed up with Kenobi dropping is the new Marvel series, Mrs. Marvel, which follows the origin story of Kamala Khan and her getting her powers. So we got what I thought was an, um, an amazing and charming and delightful first episode getting to know the, these characters and getting to know her family and getting to know what the world looks like around her in this MCU. So, wow, I'm, I'm having to, like, shift the gears in my brain out of Star Wars and get into the MCU. Uh, so I think I've, I've been able to do that successfully. So Just remember that it's Disney. It is Disney. This is all true. It's a multiverse. Uh, so Star Wars exists and the MCU is a multiverse. We're just going to go with that. So I really enjoyed this episode. I really, like I just said, I enjoyed Kamala Khan. I enjoyed seeing um, her world and the tone of it. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that first episode of Ms. Marvel. Watching it in its entirety reminded me of the clip that they played during Star Wars Celebration where it showed the new characters and stuff and it showed the people who are admiring the characters and there was one person specifically who said I never realized I needed like my my people's representation yeah. in the Star Wars universe yeah. and it was the same thing we don't have that same background but I had an appreciation for the entire culture that they've built around it yeah. and having just a different lifestyle than the normal like you don't you don't ever get to see like Captain America's parents and yeah. all this different stuff yeah. um, but just seeing that in itself I liked a lot and I loved the colors I loved that we're getting to see a 16 year old girl just absolutely in love and idolizing uh, an, a, an Avenger really yeah. um, so much that she wants to be her yeah. and then turns into a version of her right and then obviously we get to see like later down the road, we're gonna see the Marvels. Is that yeah, what it's called? I believe it's the next uh, the sequel to Captain Marvels so is called obviously, the Marvels. Okay, perfect. They're gonna collide eventually. So yeah. I think that's even cooler. Yeah. But just like to talk about the premiere episode of Ms. Marvel, I thought it was a, a great start. Cool, Luke. I thought it was cute. It was it was fun. I really like the colors. Um, you can really tell right off the bat the sort of vibe that you're going to get from the show and, you know, what they're all about. And, you know, not to say that a certain one is better than another, but I think it's just certain ones are catered to certain audiences and other ones are catered to other audiences. Sure. And that's fine. Um, I enjoyed it, but, I, you know, it, it was more cute than anything. I thought, right. You know, there were a couple moments that were very cheesy and predictable and mm -hmm. you know and, and that's okay because that's what they're going for mm -hmm. right um but i'm still excited for it good good i'm glad to hear it i i agree with you and i i i'm glad to hear that both of you guys mentioned the colors because that was one of the highlights for me were their use of animation uh, you know like when they're texting each other her and her friend uh or texting each other and you got to see what they're texting in the the street or on the neon, neon signs, sign. yeah. uh, and then they were riding down the 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 street on their bikes, and they were talking about her her cosplay uh, outfit, 
and talking about different, hey, you should make it a mashup and have this and that. And then along the buildings, they're showing what they're talking about in animated form. Captain Panther. Captain Panther. <laughs> I thought that was really, really creative. And you know what it gave me? It gave me Into the Spider-Verse vibes. Oh, very true. I really saw a lot of, even not just in those scenes, but even in the beginning scene where she's making her video. So that's, she's a YouTuber. That's right? what I was thinking. Like, this the animation that led to that setting the scene for the episode in the show. I thought it was really cool. Super effective. What other shows, what other movies open like that? Right? No, I, I, there's not, I have nothing as, as far as the MCU goes. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was really, to me, it was really fresh. You know, it's funny coming off of Moon Knight. And if you haven't listened, go check out our Moon Knighting episodes where we break down every episode of Moon Knight, if you haven't watched that yet. Uh, but coming off of Moon Knight, uh, where it really did not, connect in any way to the MCU. Now we have Ms. Marvel, which is like super connected yeah. in every way. Like you cannot go a scene in this episode without seeing some connection to the larger MCU universe. I liked this. And I was there for it. I'm not that's that's super that's something I really enjoyed about it. I really liked this integration of the Avengers without showing any of the Avengers. Way more than the Hawkeye play. <laughs> Are we going back there? Just for Are a quick <laughs> second, just so I can remind you guys how bad that is and how good this is. No, by by bad, you're using the '80s version of that word, <laughs> which really means rad or great. That was bad, man. That was bad. That was bad. Rogers the musical. Watch it. Like Muhammad Ali. Bad or like I'm bad or like Michael Jackson bad. They're both bad, <laughs> and it's both. It both pertains to the Rogers the musical. Do but, you think that Muhammad Ali and Michael Jackson would have liked Rogers the musical? Uh huh. I do. <laughs> yes, because they appreciate high levels and genius talent. I do. I do. How did we get back to start to Rogers? I would like I'm to so see. I would all like to see Kamala. Lead back. All roads. <laughs> I, I would like to see a scene or a show or some kind of a crossover with Kamala Khan and um, uh, Kate Bishop. That would be cool. That would be cool. Hey, they're not far from each other. I mean, yeah. Kate Bishop was just over the Hudson, right, in New York. Anyway, that could happen yeah. because this is now the, the MCU that we're living in. So, uh, yeah, so the animation, that was super cool. I thought it was really good. Um, I. I I really, really, really want to say this, and I've been waiting for all day to say it. We got to talk about Bruno. <laughs> we got to talk about Bruno here. What is it with Bruno in in pop culture right now? Yeah, so seriously. We've so There's... Kamala's best friend is Bruno. He's a genius. Yep. He's making cool stuff. He's making Zuzu. Is that what it was called, Zuzu? Yep. Don't say what it's like because my phone's going to wake up and take us into some alternate universe. But so you get the point. Zuzu controls all the the stuff in their house. Uh, then we've got Bruno from Encanto. They don't talk about Bruno there till the end. But we and did. then we've got Bruno from what's the sea monster movie? Luca. Luca. Right. Luca. Yep. So I, I'm going to predict it. Yeah. I'm predicting it right here. Bold prediction. 2022. Number one boy name in the uh, of the year will be Bruno. That's my hot take. Agree or disagree, Luke? I could see it happening. I'm gonna disagree because I'm a contrarian. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's a select group of people that would name their kid that, right? Like you MC, think so? Like because it's not like we maybe... don't talk about Bruno is the number one song in the universe okay you should sing it so, and also fun fact luke's favorite song so i'm gonna use myself as an example bruno is no luke skywalker <laughs> i i don't see my i don't see many people naming themselves after the emo dude from encanto <laughs> the voices in the head from luca and we'll, we'll see what this guy turns into. He seems nice. I liked Bruno in Ms. Marvel. I, I'm sort of... So did I. I'm sort of intrigued by this character because they made a point to reference... He, did you like that? I brought us right back to Ms. Marvel. See that? Let's go on. 
Thank you. They they made a point to highlight the fact that he doesn't have a great family life. Yeah. You'd never see in a show that is like absolutely central. The family in this story is central to the entire episode and probably will be for the series. They don't they don't show Bruno's family in any way, shape, or form. They show yeah. where he lives, you know, this bedroom that he has, but not a family. So the kid is super super smart, and he seems to be super good friend of Kamala's, which I love their relationship. Thought it was really, really cool. I think it's funny that uh, Kamala's mom texts him, uh, especially her failures because she passed her or she, she failed her driving test. That was very, I thought that was very funny. Stop talking to my mom. Yeah. I told my mom to stop texting you. Um, Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Bruno. Like what's the deal with him? Cause Anyway, he, you know, I really just wanted to say, let's talk about Bruno. That's really the point. You mentioned family, and I want you guys to buckle up because I have a long walk for a very, very short drink of water. Oh. The reaction that Kamala's mom has when the auntie sends that package of what she calls junk, right? Oh, right. And she unwraps this thing that we understand later. Yeah. But says, no, put that away. Mm-hmm. And then gives the box to Kamala's brother and says, put it in the attic, mm-hmm. take it away. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of the movie Turning Red, the animated oh, one. Oh, sure. Because of, in that movie, the reaction the mom had to like their red panda and the understanding uh, of like the severity and the gravity that yep. the red panda carries for their family. Yep. So, because of that, so now we're back to Ms. Marvel. It reminded me of that because I think, and that's just me, I don't know if anybody else will agree, but I think that Kamala's mom knows what can happen with that. I don't even know what you would call it. What would you call that? Um, they said something. They called it something in the show, but I've forgotten, but we'll just call it a bracelet. Yeah. So we apologize. We know it's called something else. But with that bracelet, I yeah. think she knows more than she gave off in that moment. Yeah, I think that you're right, and and I think that that's another, that's another situation like I referenced with Kenobi that they showed us the Padawans um, escaping, you know, and that that at some point going to pay off. They wouldn't show it unless they wanted to pay it off. That's the same thing here. When they open that box and that bracelet comes out, there's a definite strong reaction from the mom's point of view and she wants nothing to do with it she doesn't want kamala to have anything to do with it so there's got to be a payoff there somewhere it's definitely a way of them showing us uh that there's some history there between her and her and the nani which i believe is the mom's mom so kamala's grandma is is who sent at least that's what i understood it to be uh i could be wrong but yeah there's something going on and kamala's mom is super super protective and there's probably a reason for that. She yeah. did mention also that she's seen enough people that she loves, you know, wasting their life with fantasy in the fantasy world. Yeah. So that's another thing I think that lends itself to what you're saying. I agree. I my agree favorite you. scene, and don't misconstrue this, this isn't a joke, was my favorite part of the show was when it ended. And not because it ended, but because of Kamala's reaction. Yeah. They had She had her lecture yeah. from her mom. And said, are you going to continue to be cosmic with your head in the clouds? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to ground yourself and focus yeah. on yourself? And without a doubt, she looked at her hand and she said, cosmic. Yeah, yeah, so, I thought that was that was pretty cool, too. A kid with superpowers is crazy. Like, we get to see Peter Parker full-fledged. He's got his stuff. Yeah. But to me, it's like it's a to, literally to a cosmic level. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how this 16-year-old and her, what we're presuming is her best friend in Bruno. Right. Um will go about this going forward. Yeah, it's it's a it's going to be an, it was an interesting first first episode. I thought it was really really effective. I feel like it introduced us to all the important characters. I don't even know and haven't even been able to pick up from the trailers who the antagonist is going to be. We have no idea. Right? Like I yeah. I mean n- none of the trailers had anything didn't even seem like they showed a villain. Um, but I just loved the feel of it. I just loved how youthful and fun, uh, and the animation and then the, the plan that they hatched. Right. And then they showed the timing of it all and how they were running behind. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was very creative. Uh, the family dynamic between her and her brother, her and her parents, uh, and then how she fits into 
uh, like she said, it's not the brown girls from New Jersey that saved the world. Uh, but then I loved what Bruno had to say. And, you know, you're Kamala Khan. If you want to save the world, you're going to save the world. Yeah. So that's just a super empowering kind of thing. And that's the vibe that I really enjoyed um, about this first episode. In the description for the show, part of it says a coming of age story. And I think there doesn't necessarily have to be a villain. There'll be plenty of other external antagonists. Yeah. Um, you know, just like being in high school can be the antagonist, right? And, yeah. You know, um, and that's going to be an adjustment, I'm sure, for a lot of people, myself included, because we're so used to seeing this is the villain. This yeah. is the bad guy. Sure. They're trying to achieve this, and the good guy is trying to stop them from doing this. Yeah. Right? And so that's why I it's a little hard for me to, you know, get too excited about it because, you know, our... Is this going to be just another like coming of age story? Right. Just happens to have some superpowers this time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I see your point. I I enjoy that kind of stuff, and I see what you're saying about, you know, Kamala could be the antagonist and the protagonist because, it was very plain, to see that when she was trying on her cosplay outfit that she's got some insecurities right yeah. about how she looks in it and how she looks in general, just in the world. And I think, personally, that's a very timely uh, theme to be putting in, especially a a superhero-themed show, because you are going to get different audiences watching this as an entry point into superhero TV and superhero movies, as an entry point into the MCU. And I just found her to be extremely relatable, which sounds sort of weird because I'm a... 47 year old white man from Southern California that I'm relating somehow to a 16 year old girl, a Pakistani girl in New Jersey. But the way I related to her was because she's a super fan of the Avengers, right? She's a super fan of, of Captain Marvel, but she also loves the Avengers. I love the Avengers too. So that was my way of connecting and relating. I thought that was very smart because you have segments of society all over the world that are going to be relating to her on different levels. So it's interesting to see where it's going to go. And I think it's a good point, Luke, that, you know, I'm sure there'll be some kind of a villain to, to give us some kind of a threat. But that could be secondary to the threats she poses to herself with just the personal things she has to get over to become who she wants to be. Yeah. And I, I'm here for that. I think that's a wonderful way to go. I think an antagonist right now is just the relationship she has with her parents. It's true. So I think that could carry most of the the problems, if you will, through the show because now she's, she's trying to find her way with or without powers. Mm-hmm. Now add that extra integral piece to it, yeah. it's going to complicate things even more because now she's quite literally cosmic, the thing that... Her mom doesn't want her to be exactly. But I have a question for you. Are you are you are you confirming that you're buying tickets to AvengerCon already? Let's go. We <laughs> just we just got back from celebration. I'm I'm ready to go to all the the nerd conventions. Let's do let's do them all. Let's do it. Um, where where do I sign up? Oh, is I there think a, there's www. I'm just kidding. Um, one Easter egg that I sort of liked seeing was Bruno looking at his computer in his room. And it's showing Caltech. Yeah. We'd live too, not too far from Caltech. This is so true. So it was familiar to us immediately. Um, but it shows that he wants to get out of there. He wants to start to pursue. Yeah. Like his best friend calls him a genius. Yeah. He shows it in his tech abilities, showing these like light up proton gloves that he made <laughs> that Kamala leaves in the bathroom and upgrades accidentally. Yeah. Right? Um, but I'm curious to see if that'll play a part into how the the series will play out because um, she is just doodling. She likes her baby sloth productions and yes. all this different stuff. But Bruno is all about Kamala, like buddy, buddy, yep. but has his sights set on something else, obviously. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. Is that is that going to play into it? Will he end up leaving? And then, you know, wh- how, what does that do for her? And what does that do for their relationship? What does that do for him? Um, just don't turn him bad, you know? Just let's I keep this guy not. good. Yeah, let's like let's keep this guy a good guy. Uh, he seemed to be nice. All right, so final thoughts on uh, Miss Marvel? Anything you guys uh, haven't gotten to on your thoughts of the show? 
I just want to say Kamala's dad. So much props to him. Painted himself green <laughs> in in as like their version of Hulk. Yes. I thought that was so hilarious. Not what I was expecting at all. He jumps through the door and full in character. And like it broke my heart seeing the reaction and yeah. different stuff. But it sure went south quickly, but it was a fun scene in the beginning. But props to him. Just <laughs> full on green without even having a confirmed answer. Nope. I'm I'm gonna stick around, you know. I'll watch anything they put out because I bow to my corporate overlords. <laughs> um, but I, what was interesting is it's the highest rated show on Disney+. Plus. It's the highest rated uh, MCU yeah. show. Yeah, as far as um, Rotten Tomatoes and like score, right? Mm-hmm. Like a critic score, yeah. Yeah. It and, is 95% as of right now. And, you yeah. know, so there's obviously something there and... I don't know what they're going to base it off of entirely, but, you know, I think it's uh, it's in a good spot. Yeah, definitely a good start. Uh, you know, the last thing I, I have to share is, I can't believe we haven't talked about it. It was clearly, clearly the biggest revelation in the entire show, which is that Scott Lang has a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Lang has a podcast. Scott Lang is a podcaster. We're like Scott Lang. That means that we could be Avengers. Yeah. I'm I mean, that's I'm what already that means. I'm so. oh, oh, well, <laughs> do you want me to edit that part out? Because, you know, you probably shouldn't say that stuff. Well, you know, it's out now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, excellent, excellent talking to you guys about Kenobi and Kamala. So we will uh, keep up with both of them uh, over the next few weeks. Um, you know, we only have two more weeks of Kenobi. And we have five coming up uh, with with Kamala, so we're in good uh, we're in good shape. Thank you guys again for for joining me to talk about this fun stuff, and um, lo- we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about both Kenobi Part Four and and the episode one of Miss Marvel. So send us a tweet, send us an Instagram. If you have something you'd like us to share on the show, let us know, and we'll gladly read it. Uh, We'd love to uh, get all kinds of voices represented here on the Colby Cast. And thank you, as always, for listening to another episode of the Colby Cast. Another happy landing. You can find the Colby Cast on Twitter and Instagram at the Colby Cast. If you're wordy, like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, Donkey. That'll do.